You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. Identity? Who am I? <laughs> That's a great question, right? I know I think of my own my own life and how my identity has been shaped and formed over over the years of my life that, uh, you know, a lot of times my identity came from just how I saw myself or, and many times how other people would see me and, and the things they would say about me. I mean, I was labeled a jock because I played football and I was into athletics. And, and, and to be honest, part of my identity was that, uh, I also was, um, <laughs> I was, uh, identified as, as a, a nerd because I loved video games and, and, uh, and, you know, that kind of stuff. And I, I kind of, sometimes I would dress a little quirky, dress a little weird and, you know, uh, had the identity of that. I'm a preacher's kid. And from, from as early as I can remember, I was always told, you know, um, Hey, preacher's kids are the worst. I would hear that said, or it would be said to me, you know, Oh, you preacher's kids, they're always the worst. And, and, uh, like being a bad influence. And, and, uh, I was, you know, when I was a kid, I was like, that's, that's, you know, it doesn't make any sense. I'm not the worst. I'm not, I'm not a bad influence. But when I got into my teen years, I started to kind of own that identity. And to be honest, I don't know that I was the worst, but, but I definitely, as a preacher's kid, pushed the boundaries and actually stepped across the line many times. So that was a part of my identity. Uh, you know, for good or bad, we have those parts of our identity. The kind of music I listened to had some people uh, like label me as um, other than straight. I'll just say it that way. And a part of my identity was kind of wrapped up in you know, who am I? And, and and how how much of this is true? And now my identity is is wrapped up in I'm a I'm a I'm a daddy. I'm a, I'm a husband and, uh, and and I'm a pastor. I'm a church planter and and I still love athletics and I still love to dance and I still love uh, I still love professional wrestling. You know, and I still love video games. So I have this 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 thing. And people would say, well, you have maybe there's an identity crisis because there's so many different. And maybe the fact is you just come to find your identity is not just being just one thing or just one thing. What are some things that shape your identity? If you're like me, it's it's probably how you see yourself or or how others see you. Um, you know, things people say, um, you know, you, uh, experiences in life. These are things that can shape our identity. Well, in the next four weeks, we're going to be discussing this identity. Who am I? And at the core of all the options, of all the opinions of others, who I see when I look in the mirror, what is my identity? And here's what I found to be true. This is this has been my truth, and I'm living this truth. Discover your identity as a human being created in the image of God by spending time with God. That's your true identity. You are a human being created in the image of God. And you can discover what that truly means by spending time with God. So that's what I'm going to encourage us all to be doing over the next few weeks. Is to be, let's find ways where we are spending time with God and discovering our true identity. And so for our time together, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8. Now, Romans 8 is, is a chapter that has made a huge impact in my life and the lives of some friends. So Romans, it's a letter found in the New Testament. It's written to some of the earliest followers of Jesus by this, this follower, church planter, missionary, preacher uh, convert to follow, to the way of Jesus named Paul and um so it's a letter, and chapters and verses are added later. So, so Romans eight wasn't just written as a standalone thing, but this chapter has been so life transforming for myself and several close friends, and I believe it can be for you too. And so, this is why um, I believe that God has led us to Romans eight as we talk for four weeks on identity. <laughs> Who am I? 
So Romans 8, the first four verses. So now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses, the Torah, was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirements of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. So here's our big idea. Who you are matters because you matter. And Jesus offers freedom to discover who you are. Jesus offers freedom to discover who you are. And we want to be free. So there's, there's a couple of thoughts I want to camp out on for a little, for a little bit to kind of build on that big idea on, and, and keep reflecting on Romans 8 and hit a few other verses along the way. Um, and the first thing is this. When it comes to this, Jesus offers freedom to discover who you are. You can be free from lies. You can. You can be free from lies. Um, a, a while back on, on Twitter, Pastor Rick Warren tweeted, to, to stop defeating yourself, you have to stop deceiving yourself. Now, that's probably a quote from one of his books. I don't know for sure. But I know I, I got this from Twitter and made a note of it because it really spoke to me. To stop defeating yourself, you have to stop deceiving yourself. So what are some lies that we might believe about ourselves that leave us feeling defeated? Like, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, or I'm, I am all that, like I am smarter than everybody else, or I'm better than everybody else. Both ends of the spectrum are lies. Probably for it, for a lot of us, with the lies we can believe are I'm ugly and I'm fat, um, I'm too skinny, um, my, I, my skin color makes me less than, or my skin color makes me more important. These are all lies, and they're all lies that we can, we can believe about ourselves, and they can leave us feeling defeated. Uh, in, in the end, uh, I know myself, I'm someone who I have looked in the mirror and I've said, I hate you. I've looked in the mirror and did not, did not like the person I saw at all because I had, there were some lies about myself that I was believing. So now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So what is condemnation? Well, it's defined as this, to pronounce to be guilty sent, or sentenced to punishment. Okay, so we know that you pronounce as guilty, sentenced to punishment. Another definition of condemnation is to judge or pronounce to be unfit for use or service. Like to be judged as unfit for service. You're not useful. Condemnation. And then another definition is to declare incurable. Like there's no hope. You cannot be cured. There is no hope for you. This is what condemnation is. So now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So this this. This starts off with this, so now. And you might have a version of the Bible that says, therefore. And anytime you see so now, you need to know what it's there, why it's there, or, or why is the there, what is the therefore, therefore, <laughs> right? And this so now, or this therefore, points back to what was previously said. So anytime you see that in the Bible, so now, or therefore, you need to go back up, back up a little bit and see what was said just before this. And if we back up to Romans 7, Back up to verse 21, we see where, how, where this comes into play. 
It says, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Maybe you've heard that before. Like Paul says, uh, you know, the good I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I do. And this is what he, this is what, where this comes from. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me, and that is at war with my mind. The power makes me, this power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Now, a lot of, I've heard this quoted a lot. Like, oh, what a wretch I am. What a sinful person I am. What a hypocrite I am. Who will save me from this? You know, I, I'm doomed. Whatever I want to do, I do. Whatever I don't want to do, I don't do. Who will save me? Who will free me from this life dominated by sin and death? So we can't stop there because verse 25 says, thank God, the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's an answer to that question and it's Jesus. So, so you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law, but because my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. So now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul finally realizes that the solution to his battle with sin is Jesus. He had been attempting in his human strength to keep the law and the love of God, the Torah. But, but he kept falling short, and he sinned and failed to love God and failed to love his neighbor as himself. It is because Jesus is the answer to the question, so now there is no condemnation. Jesus frees us from sin. Jesus is the answer to that question, and he frees us from sin. We are free. We can be free from sin, and we can be free from the lies of that sin. He frees us from condemnation, which means Jesus frees us from the lies that we're still condemned so we can believe the lies, we can believe our own lies, and this is called self-condemnation. When we believe our own lies, we condemn ourselves. We condemn ourselves, we criticize ourselves, we beat ourselves up, we keep saying, why do I keep doing that, right? <laughs> we try to pay for our own guilt, but that never works, right? It never works trying to pay for your own guilt. The guilt's still there. There's no freedom in that anyway. When we listen to that lie that we're still condemned, and I'll never get it right. And God is just so mad at me. Or maybe the, the lie that well, God doesn't even really care. We get overwhelmed by the burden too heavy to bear, like he writes in Romans. This, this, these lies lead to self-punishment. And there's several ways we punish ourselves. One is we can self-condemnation or self-punishment. We can make yourself sick. We can, you can make yourself sick. You can, you can make yourself sick from guilt. It may look like depression. It may look like an eating disorder. It may look like insomnia. It may look like cutting. It may look like any of those old habits that we have been talking about we need to have an exodus from that <laughs> we keep going back to. We can condemn ourselves by believing the lies and make ourselves sick. Another thing is you can see yourself as a helpless sinner. There is no hope for me. They have that definition of, of condemnation, there is no cure. There is no hope. I'm just, I'm just a sinner. I'm going to sin. That's, that's, the, that's the, the, the way we punish ourselves is by believing that lie. We can continually set ourselves up for failure with this attitude. It's kind of like what I see in dating relationships a lot of time. It's, uh, you know, somebody will, will ask, you know, I keep having these same kind of problems, these same kind of relationships. Why do I keep making the same mistakes in my relationships over and over again? And people ask that about themselves and about the sin they have. And I've been there. Why do I keep doing this over and over again? I, it's just, I'm incurable. I'm just helpless in this. I have to do this. And not only is this a form of self-condemnation that you have to do this, it's a lie. And then the lies that, that really build up and self-condemnation and the, probably the ultimate form of, of self-punishment 
is something we don't talk about a lot in church, and we kind of skip, skim by it and skip over it, and I, I think we need to address it, um, and it's suicide. We can believe the lies so much about ourselves, our self-condemnation, that the only way to deal is suicide, and that's the lie we believe. It's the ultimate form of self-condemnation, and it's the ultimate lie that, 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 that Satan wants to speak into your mind. I've read that suicide is the number one cause of death among college students, and it's number two among high school students. Why? And I think why, and you know, you have there's so much life to live, and I'm, you know, I'm many, I'm decades down the road from being in high school or college, and I just see that there's so much life, and love, and joy, and hope that happens in the years after high school, in the years after college. Why? And I guess know so many college students right now that Awakened Church has connected us with Northwestern State University, and it's just real. And we've had real friends, real members of the Awakened Church family who have wrestled with this to the point of they made a decision at the last second, I'm ready to take my life, and they made a call for help instead, and I'm so thankful that they did. I think one reason this is the way it is, and suicide is so such a large thing in our culture, is because people feel condemned by the lies about themselves they listen to. Now, other than self-condemnation, obviously, condemnation can come from outside of ourselves. Because the second area of condemnation we may continue to deal with is condemnation for others. From others, I mean. See, there's the, it says, though, what? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if that condemnation is, comes from, from inside your own self or comes from others, what well, we need to understand and walk in the truth of and the freedom of, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. You may never change what they say or how they feel about you. You may never change what they do to you or how they, how they treat you. And you can, never, you can never change what you've done. You can ask for forgiveness. Maybe you've done something that's caused them to have some kind of condemnation towards you. And maybe you feel like, I deserve that. But what you can do is you can ask for forgiveness and you can and walk a different way, but you can't make them forgive you. You can't change them and how they treat you, but you can change how you respond. Decide today you're not going to allow anyone to steal what belongs to God. And that's the determination of your value. Only God can define your worth. He's your creator and he says you're his and you are worth every, everything, everything to him. 1 Peter 1.19 tells us that he paid for you for the precious with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. See, God gave his best for you because you're worth it. It doesn't matter what somebody else says. That doesn't, that, they don't have permission to determine your worth. God demonstrated in Jesus how much you're worth. He died on the cross for you. Who you are matters. And who you are, who you are matters because you matter. And also, whose you are matters because God loves you and He, in your His, He wants you to know, He wants you to be His. And if you seek to find your identity in Jesus, you can be free from the lie, and you are free to love. You're free from the lies and free to love. Now, love your neighbor as yourself is something Jesus said a lot. We re repeat it a lot, and. Um, to the point where sometimes we say it and don't do it, and we want to do it. We want to be awake in church. We want people who don't just say it. We want to live it and love our neighbor as ourselves. But there's been times, and this has been real. These are real conversations that I've had in the 22 years now that I've been in full-time church work and full-time ministry as my vocation. 
is that you'll hear this verse, love your neighbor as yourself, is something Jesus says, and somebody will say, well, Pastor Steve, what do you do when you don't love yourself? I'm like, how do you love your neighbor as yourself when you don't love yourself? And when I hear that, in my mind, I hear, Pastor Steve, how do I really love others when I don't love myself? That's a very real question from very real people who've asked me this. And maybe that's where you are today. How do I how do I live free to love when I don't even feel like I love myself? So the question is how does someone learn to love themselves and how do you do this without being driven to selfishness? Because selfishness is the ultimate for me definition of sin. We want to love ourselves, but we don't want to be so wrapped up in self-love that we don't love God and love our neighbor. So Romans 8 continues, Because you belong to Jesus, the power of his life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of the first covenant, talking about the Torah again, was, uh, related to the Torah, was unable to save us. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son. He declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. And here's how Jesus put it in, uh, written down by John in John 3, 16, 17, and 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God loved you so much. He loved all of us so much that he gave Jesus so that all who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. There is no judgment awaiting for those who trust him. But those who do not trust him have already been judged for not believing in the Holy Son of God. We talk about a judgment day to come, and I'm telling you, judgment day is today. And praise God that he says here, Jesus says, there's no judgment awaiting for those who trust him. Here's your, this is your judgment day. There's no judgment awaiting for those who trust him. But those who do not trust him have already been judged for not believing in the only Son of God. Now, your identity is less about what you've done. It's about what God has done. That's, that's where your true identity is. God made the first move by declaring his love for you. And he waits for you to respond to his love. God God knows you, he knows who you are, and he loves you anyway. I'm telling you, when that became a reality to me, and I realized that, and I began to live in that truth, it, it changed everything for me. There is so much freedom. I don't, I, I'm not trapped in, in this box of religion because I am in this relationship with my God who knows who I am, and he loves me anyway. It's called Amazing Grace. That song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, has saved a wretch like me right back to what Paul says, what a wretch I am. And it's because of amazing grace. I can walk free from the lies and free from the this, this, this sin and the lies and walk, walk into with love for myself and for others. When it comes to loving yourself and loving your neighbor, we could all be declared guilty of failure. Absolutely. But there's no condemnation. Stop resisting his love for you. You're not going to shock God with the dark secrets of your life. He already knows them. He knows them. Trust me. And instead of feeling ashamed, he wants you to feel forgiven and loved. God does not want to shame you. He wants to forgive you. And he wants you to know he loves you. Romans 5.8, which is, and this is from the message paraphrase of the Bible, says, But God put his love on the line for us by offering his, sin, uh, his son in a sacrificial death. 
While we were no use whatever to him, while we were yet sinners, God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in a sacrificial death while we were yet sinners. No use whatever to him. There are two powers. There's two laws at work within all of us, shaping your identity. One is called the power of sin and death, or the law of sin and death. It lies within us, ready to challenge the desire to do right and to serve God. And when I attempt to fulfill the law in my own strength, I end up like Paul in chapter 7. Oh, what a miserable person I am. The, 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 the good thing I want to do, I just don't do it. And the, 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 the things I don't want to do, I just keep doing those. That's when I'm trying to, in my own strength, live up to this 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 law of love which is the other law because there's this power of sin and death or the law of sin and death but the other power the other law the spirit gives life in christ jesus it's a higher law it's a stronger power and it's the law of love and the law of love is greater than the law of sin and death so look the proclamation of god's kingdom doesn't say there's so now there's some condemnation, right? It doesn't say, so now occasionally there's some condemnation. It's, there's some peri- periodic condemnation. It doesn't, con- condemnation. It doesn't say, so now there's just a wee little bit of condemnation. No. How much condemnation is there for those who are in Christ Jesus? None. There's none. Jesus frees us from lies. He frees us by his love, and we're free to love. You're free to love yourself. And you're free t- for life. You're free for life. And I don't mean like, like you're, you're free and you can't decide not to be free anymore. You absolutely can choose to walk away. And I pray that you would never do that. But I mean, when you're free for life, you're free for the life that God has planned for you. That God has created you to live. God, you're free for living life and, and, and enjoying life. And this is where I've heard some people say, in my life I've heard them say, I'm not really interested in church because I'm not ready to in- stop enjoying life. And you may have he- heard that before, or maybe you've even said it. I'm just not ready for, for church. I'm not ready for, I'm not interested in all that church stuff. I'm not interested in, I don't want to become a Christian because I still have so much life to live. And I don't know where people get the idea that following Jesus means we have to stop enjoying life. I have enjoyed life more since I became a follower of Jesus and more since I gave in to the call in my life to, to be uh, 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 as my vocation and my occupation a pastor. I have had opportunities to go to different places around the world. I never would have gone if I, if I hadn't began to follow Jesus, if I haven't become a Christian and been involved in church. I, I mean, I've been to, the, to, to Brazil and I've swam in the Amazon River. And I'm not saying you have to be a Christian to, be, to go swim in the Amazon River. I'm not saying if you are a Christian that Jesus is going to lead you there. I'm just saying for me, my story is because I have uh, decided to follow Jesus, I have been free for life, and the life I have had, I would not have had otherwise, and I and I know that without a shadow of a doubt. And we went to that 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 uh, Amazon River, uh, is the little the, the not the little, it's a huge city called Belém, Brazil. We did a lot of inner city work, but we also got to go into uh, some of the wild there, and uh, we we took a, a early morning. A boat ride on the Amazon River and we went to this place and this is right where the Amazon meets the ocean so it's right on the coast and there's this place called Parrot Island and Parrot Island is named so because this is where millions of parrots fly to every day and they roost for the night 
They fly for hundreds of miles, our guide told us. They, they will fly from all over to come roost on this island because this island has no predators. It's a, I, this, this island has no predators. It is an island that there's a, the only people that live on this small island is a, is a family of that, that farm, and that's it. The rest of the island is free of any type of predators. Like There's no snakes, no, no pumas, nothing, no cheetahs, nothing that would you know be traditionally in Brazil a predator on parrots and so millions of parrots fly hundreds of miles to come roost every night on this island and so here's what happens we take this boat ride and we're, it's still the it's still in dark I mean, we had to leave early in the morning it's like 3 a.m we had to go and get in this boat and hit out on the on the river and we get to this spot and we just wait for the sun to come up and by the way that sunrise was another oh my gosh it was awesome but as the sun rises the the parrots awaken and they begin to form these almost like clouds of parrots in the in the sky this this one this and there's the noise is deafening the the squawking and i don't know what the right word is for a parrot but i call it squawking they're squawking and calling out and the guide tells us that to watch because they pair up and they, these thousands of, will come up like a thousand, two thousand, five thousand at a time, these parrots. And there'll be this cloud and there's this squawking, squawking, squawking. And they'll pair up and fly off in all kinds of directions. And he says, parrots mate for life. And when you see parrots, the squawking is they know each other's voice. That is insane. They know each other's voice, and they they don't roost right together. They roost wherever they find a spot. And in the morning, in the in the in the in, in the cacophony of thousands of parrots, and then eventually millions <laughs> awakening and 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 making all this noise, they hear their mate. They meet with their mate and they fly off to their destination together because you'll see them fly two by two off in different directions. And he said, now where you see three fly off together and maybe sometimes four, that's because those are the offspring of those parrots who have not mated yet and they stay with the family until they mate. I'm like, that's incredible. And then when you see one flying off, most likely we have found that that means that parrot's mate has died. And this is, so, this is, this this was life, and I never would have experienced the joy of this incredible moment if I had not given my life to Christ. Now, I'm not saying if you give your life to Christ, you get to go and, and, and visit Parrot Island, and I'm not saying that you have to be a Christian to go there. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is my story is this. I, if I had not become a Christian and I had not begun to follow him and he led me into this, to this, this, this lifestyle that took me on a mission trip, I never would have experienced that. So I don't know why people get the idea of following Jesus we have, means we have to stop enjoying life. We may have to stop enjoying some habits that, that we find are bad habits. We may have to job, stop enjoying some things that are destroying us inside and out. But we don't have to stop enjoying life. Because I've enjoyed life in the decades since I've become a follower of Jesus than I did in the decades before I began, began to truly follow Jesus and give my life to him. Verse 4 gives us more insight as to why God chose to free us from our sin. He says, He did this so the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. So Jesus doesn't just save us from sin. He saves us to God. He saves us to our Father God for this relationship, through the wholeness of life that He designed us to live. Too often I meet people who, who accepted condemnation as a companion in life. 
Like this is just the way it is, and I'm just condemned to be this way. And then this is just this is how it is. And that's a deadly decision because condemnation chokes the life out of you. And God wants you to breathe deeply, and He wants you to breathe freely, and God wants you to live the life of adventure that His kingdom is all about. Something we need to do at this point is to distinguish between condemnation and conviction because they're not the same thing. Condemnation, and a lot of times we we think they are almost to the point where we kind of kind of bypass a little bit in the church world the the truth that the Holy Spirit of God will convict us of some things in our lives. Condemnation questions God's love for us, and condemnation chokes the life out of us. But conviction is that inner prompting of the Holy Spirit that moves us towards spiritual maturity. It breathes life into us. It it, it, it equips us. The convict conviction of those things conviction of sin leads us to become more like Jesus so Jesus Jesus lived a sinless life and all others fall short of the glory of God it's only when we have our identity in him that we can live without sin and really live that means his righteousness becomes our righteousness this is how Galatians 2:19 says it uh, for when I tried to keep the law I, again, this is Torah. When I tried to keep the Torah, when I tried to keep the law, I realized I could never earn God's approval. So I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ. I myself no longer lived, but Christ lives in me. So I live my life in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Man, what an amazing promise. And I'm here to tell you it's true. Sin has no control unless you allow it to. Sin has power, but you, you're not a slave to it. Absolutely, sin is strong. Temptation is strong to, to fall into sin. Temptation is strong to, to go back to old habits. But you're not a slave to it. You are free, and you're free from the lies that you're a slave to it. You're free to love because you're not a slave to it. You're free for life, to live life and not live as a slave. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord, you're free because you belong to him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, message paraphrase, Now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start. It's created new. Your old life is gone. The new life burgeons. Look at it. Man, be free. Be free. Who you are matters because you matter. And whose you are matters because God says you're His child that he loves dearly and jesus offers freedom to discover that jesus offers freedom to discover who you are a dearly loved child of god so what's your next step what's the next step we can take here i would say if you're hearing this and you're not a follower of christ and you're saying Man, this sounds this sounds good. I would love to be free from the lies. I'd love to be free to really love myself and to love others. And I'd really love to to live this life. Be be free to live this life that that you talk about here, Steve. And put your identity in Jesus. Say yes to Jesus. His call to say come, he says, "Come follow me. Come follow me." And the way you do that is just in prayer. In a sim- very simple prayer, God, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry. And I want to follow you. Jesus, I, I, I understand that, 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 that you died for my sins. And I want, to live, I want to live for you. So forgive me and help me to follow you. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. That's called confession. Confession. Confession is a big churchy word. It means to agree with. Like, I agree with God. I'm not telling, you're not telling God something he doesn't know when you confess that you're a sinner, when you confess that he's God and you're not. You're agreeing. God, I agree with you. He, you already know this. But there's also repentance, and repentance means to walk do 180 degrees basically to change your mind to change your direction and walk the other way and you need to do that when you put your identity in jesus you begin to walk that way and maybe you've already done that and i would say chances are most of the folks who are uh joining us at awakened church um have put your faith in christ and are walking with him and so well what about me i still have identity crisis and you're going to question there's still going to be days you're still going to have time still going to have moments when you wonder who am i what is my identity and this is when you ask yourself okay how can i become more like jesus how can i become more like jesus because whose you are matters lord we want to be more like you Thank you that we can find our identity in you as dearly loved children of God, and we can be free from the lies. And Lord, I pray that somebody right now, Lord, who is who is hearing this message, Lord, that, that they would be free from the lies that they have been believing about themselves, free from the lies of self-condemnation, free from the lies of condemnation of others, so that they can be free in you, so they can be free to love, free to love themselves, free to love themselves the way you love them, deeply and richly. And free to love others, free to love our, their neighbor, free to love their enemy, free to love like you love, and free for life, the abundant, full life that Jesus, you came to give us, you came to bring us. Thank you for that. And I pray for that person those that right now, Lord, needs that, that they would find that in you in Jesus' name. And Lord, for all of us, may we seek to become more like you and find our identity in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Awaken Church LA.